everybody, and welcome to a bonus Time Vein episode of Two-Headed Game Master. I'm Cosmo, and we are playing Enzo's ongoing cosmic horror western adventure, coming at you every Monday and Friday until we finish. Dane, why don't you tell us what happened last time? Thanks, Cosmo. All right. Last time, rumble down under. No rock monsters this time, but we did finally get to the bottom of this plot and the mine. See what I did there? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Let's get back into it. All right. So, like, your thought process and, like, Saphiri starts to sprint and, like, you come up and fire. Mm-hmm. And in all the same instance, like, one arm, like, where kind of fingers were, like, kind of just kind of becomes just, like, a knife point, like a sharp stalagmite. Uh-huh. <laughs> stalagmite. And it just, like, and it moves, like, straight towards you. Okay. But you'll get, I'll say you get your shots. All right. So start combat. Uh, I was maybe going to shoot just, like, you know, one at a time. But uh, if it rushes at me, then I'm both barreling with the penalty. But I'm trying to get two shots off. Mm. Uh, so my dex is uh, seven plus shooting, so eight. I'm shooting with eight. You need a... What do I need? Are you in a slam fire? Yep. Okay. So you're gonna need. Sorry. Minus three, I believe. Yeah. yeah, minus, yeah, yeah. minus three on the shot. So. Your shooting is eight. Shooting is eight. Okay. You're gonna need a sixteen or better. Sixteens. Come on, dice. Well, All right. well, five's not going to get you there. One of them didn't hit. Three's not going to get you there three. either. Shit. So, you fire, and the shrapnel rock of the void mineral, it hits the monster, but it just kind of, like, impacts, and there's, like, a ripple mm -hmm. through it, and then it just, like, those kind of stop as it hits, and then just kind of, like, Form to it. All right. And just like. Vroom. So yeah, another action. All right. Um. Reload with regular shells, and this time I'm just shooting once. Okay. One regular shot, but no penalty. So shooting with eight. Ten to hit, right? Uh, thirteen to hit. Thirteen. Oh, yeah, 13. 12. Shit. So it, as you fire the second one, it, like, disappears. Yeah. It blinks out. And in its turn, it was rushing you. So it was about in the middle, and you guys were near the entrance of the tunnel. About seven or so spaces. Mm -hmm. So its full turn is just a rush into you, only it's not just running straight at you because it does weird magic. <laughs> Alright. But it appears, like, not right in front of you, but a little next to you, and just, like, shing, comes at you with a... With its stabby? With its sharp, sharp arm. Oh, no. So what's your dex? Seven. Okay. Yeet! 
So it hits. Yeah. It fucking shing with its knife arm of sorts. And what's it hit me with? It hits you with its arm. Mm-hmm. Which is like a rock, but it's a strong monster. So, what's your toughness? Uh, 11 with my bear skin. Okay. Yours is 11? Mm hmm. Okay. So it, like, shing cuts you. Mm hmm. And it's a deep cut. It like kind of like oh, no. fucking grazes across, like across your like shoulder near your neck, and you take a bleed. And you got some blood just kind of. Oh no! All right. And that's its turn. All right. It was it preemptively moved, but it yeah. was rushing at Cosmos. So it's superior. How? Where's my position? Because like. He was I started to run, it. but then, like, then it got its turn, so, like... Well, so, like, you started running, and then it also moved. So, what's your run, and where were you running to? Well, I was just, I was running, I guess, towards him, because he was in the center of the room. And then Cosmo's, uh, Ronnie was gonna shoot. But then he, like, blinked and blinked and blinked and sliced. So you were kind of like running at him as it ran, sure. and then it blinked past me. Okay, past so, you. so you're it's about the same distance you ran. So like three spaces. So I'm three spaces away from from where it and Ronnie is, and they're up in each other's grills, huh? Yes. So Furious doesn't trust himself with a gun in this situation because like he's not that good a shot. He could easily just brain Ronnie <laughs> and then what is this all for am I right you are not wrong um I want to throw one of my cooking pans at it okay to get its attention okay so strength your strength is yeah to hit. So what's your strength? Uh, eight. Okay. So you're gonna need. Sorry. You need a twelve or better. Seven. <laughs> oh no! Clang. So you, you whip a pot, <laughs> but you miss, and it just clangs in the room. Oh boy. <laughs> No effect. Like, he doesn't look at me or anything? No. Uh... <laughs> what do I got? I got nothing. Um... Shit. Gave away all my dynamite, but it's too close for dynamite anyways. Um... If I take aim with my rifle... Would that carry over to next turn? Yeah. Okay. I take aim. 
Okay. Tarani. Take a toughness penalty from the bleed. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Um, and it is right next to me because it slashed me, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, then reeling from my slash, I spin around and <laughs> let off a let off a shotgun blast right at it. And hopefully this, um, you know, hopefully this connects. 13 to hit this guy? Uh, for this one, for how close you are, it's 10. Okay. Oh, sorry. It's 12, 12 for you to hit. Okay. 12! Nice. Eh. Right on the 12. So you come around and, like, <laughs> blast it. Mm-hmm. And, well, let's see. Your damage is 20? Damage is 20. So it takes a knockdown. Nice. And you blast it, and what happens when you blast it, like, the shot fucking rips through it, but not, like, flesh or rock when you shoot it, really. It kind of, like, rips through and just, like, pulls the monster, like, back with the momentum of it. And it, like, slams back and hits the ground. But, like, from what you see, there's, like, no bleeding or anything coming out of it, mm-hmm. and also nothing exited the body from your distance. Okay. But it does take a knockdown. Alright. I'm gonna shoot it again. Um, if it if it knocked down, then I'm gonna, like, come after it with my shotgun up like the Terminator, and just <laughs> keep hammering it with shotgun blasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, still 12, because of proximity. Alright. Five. Damn it. You don't, yeah, you don't hit it. Uh, second time. <laughs> oh boy. So now it's its turn. Its first action, like, gets up. Mm-hmm. And in that same action, like, more arms, like, two more arms on either, one on either side just kind of sprout out <laughs> from it. And then all of them take on, like, a hard... Like point, stabby point, stabby to them, and it also looks like a spider. I don't love that. <laughs> Ronnie's, Ronnie's afraid of spiders, and almost sensing that, <laughs> it phases out for a second, and oh, it no. is on the ceiling, just yeah. like, and also its head. From what you can tell, its head is like cranked around from where it's. You don't actually know which way is front on this thing. Oh, that's freaky. And it's like staring down at you. <laughs> and that's its move. To Safiri's. Does my take aim still apply that it moved? I'll say yeah. You tracked it and it appeared on the ceiling. Okay. And it's still like, so you follow it up and you're on it and it still hasn't like noticed or like come after you. So your take aim is still good. All right. Blast it. Blast it. No, just one, just one pew. Pew. <laughs> Pew. 
Uh, so you're shooty seven. shooty? My dexterity is seven. Okay. Roll to 14. You hit. Nice. Yeah. So what's your damage? 15. 15 whole damages. This sounds like a lot, but I don't think this thing's. I don't think it's your average gonna, bandit. Yeah, it's gonna play nice. I don't think it's your average baby. <laughs> so you. One hits your. Well, it, you hit it. Mm-hmm. Um, but similar thing of like what happened when Ronnie shot it. The bullet hits it and doesn't move any past that. And it kind of like shudders and like absorbs it. It takes a toughness penalty, sure. but it's just a glancing blow to it. Okay. Um, then, in a wild move, wild is in unexpected, not like, oh, he's so out of control. Uh, I'm going to turn around and shoot at the nipple. Okay. How good you shoot? Seven. Dexterity is seven. Give me a roll. But it is rock, so it, it doesn't just, move. It doesn't move. <laughs> and it yeah, has three six of dynamite that, like, yeah, sure, the fuse isn't going down, but those are sparkles. So, like, just shoot at the sparkles. So, you see the sparkles. But that's oh, a one. No. That's a hot one. So, you take a, a shot at it, mm-hmm. and a weird thing happens where, like, you fire, and the kick happens, and then the bullet leaves, and then it just kind of stops. Oh, motherfucker. And then against your will, like, it fucking, like... Comes back in? And just kind of, like, pops the gun. Oh. <laughs> no. Like, busted gun? It's hard to say right now. Or just, like, comes back in and, like... Like, it, like, kind of just, like, sucks up and it, like, hits you back. Like, the recoil, okay. like, kind of doubled uh-huh. and just hits you. We'll see on your next turn if the gun's broken. Oh, Okay. <laughs> oh, no. I don't like. It was just a rock, but... It hurts. <laughs> well, uh... Well, you know, so Fury's got some thoughts in his mind. His mind is turning, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen. So then, yeah, so Ronnie, it's your turn. Okay. So, it's behaving like a spider, which I hate with all my heart. Um... Is that affecting my stats in any way? Let's... Yes, it is. We're gonna... So what's your mind? Uh, mind is seven. Okay. So it... My... Don't laugh. (laughs) I don't like it. Don't laugh at me. So it does. Mentally, kind of like, it's... Your thoughts of spiders seem to have been, like, you said them out loud. And so now this must, like, two more arms just kind of <laughs> pop out. Oh, no. And now it doesn't look like it has, leg, like, human legs anymore. Now it looks like a fucking spider. But a really weird one. And also, it's fucking big. And it's on the wall. And for that, I'm just going to say it's a minus one to your mind. Okay, so I... I have a mind penalty right now. Yes. That's just active. All right. Uh, so 
it's up on the ceiling above me. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. I take another bleed mm, damage. But that's not good, man. Well, I've been drinking and I'm in a scary fight and I'm not really like I'm not really in the mood to deal with this. Um, so I kind of, you know, fall back and just shoot upwards at it. Um, so I'm going to just I'm going to shoot two separate shots. Okay. Uh So you're shooting as 8. Yep. So 14 or better. All right. Ten. Twenty. Twenty. Nice. So your first one just kind of misses, and it explodes, <laughs> and it hits the rock next to it. Uh huh. And another weird thing, like you hit the rock, and like it explodes, but like nothing rains down. Like kind of like, and then everything just freezes, stops, and the monster like does a spidery twitch of, like, a sudden crawl across, nah. and you fucking, <laughs> and then track, and, like, <laughs> hit it again. Good hit. All right. So your damage is 20? Yep. It's at boo. Boo, 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 boo. So you hit it good, and it kind of knocks it off its spidery purchase, and like, and it like, no blip or disappearance in time. It like actually falls and like hits the ground, takes a glancing blow, and a knockdown. So, and it's also like, kind of like a spider. It like hit the ground and. Freaks you out because all of its legs do a, like a spider fit mm. of like. <laughs> Don't love that. So then it's its turn. Yeah. So then. Well, yeah. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So its first action is just getting up, and the way it does it freaks you out even more because like, like all the legs that are like up. Without like doing a actual like turn or anything, they're suddenly just like, like jutted down into the ground. Yeah. And it like lifts back up. Yeah. And like it's like a the thing. Yeah. And then it closes the distance to you and does just a lunge with like three of its feet, three or I guess six of its legs like scurrying it across. Mm. And then the other two are like up, like a spider about to pounce. All right. Like, so what's your next? Uh, just seven. Okay. It misses. Yes. So it like comes up to you and like both of them fucking just <laughs> come down, but they're like both right next to you, yeah. but like on either side. Okay. And it's just like... <laughs> And then all of a sudden the mouth becomes like right in your face. It becomes like a spider head for a second and just like <laughs> and freaks you out. Yeah, so I'm, furious. I'm freaked out. Um How far away is the nipple? Uh the nipple from where you are is about like ten meters. Ten spaces. Ten spaces? How far away is the spider? Or the 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 rock 
monster. The thing. The time like atrocity. Because you ran and then turned and shot. Oh, well, I'm fucking doing a lunch. Let's fucking hit this, this spider's legs. Let's cut it down to size. I do a lunch. All three spaces. Okay. Well, you close that, so you don't need... With my hammer, in case you were wondering. Well, no, no, I mean, like, it's right. in your... Yeah. So I it's lunge. in your speed, so are you right. lunging? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Lunging lets you move attack. and attack yeah, yeah, in the okay. same yeah, yeah, yeah. action. Yo, I know, I just want to so, make sure. Yes. So, yes. Then I'm going to flirt that bitch. three, and your hammering skill... Hammering is ten. Ten. Uh, with your minuses, you're gonna need a fourteen. Eighteen, motherfucker. Nice. So you rush it and kind of like come up. You like get on top of it. It is bigger. I don't. Than I don't get on top of it. I just I just smack it in the ass or in the legs <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> And it's I smack now, what I can get. You smack it as like spider abdomen now. <laughs> the way it's presenting its... Yeah. Mm. Gross. So you give it a smack. Good fucking smack. And your damage is 23? Um, yes. Because okay. no longer have the well-rested, or the good food bonus. Mm. So yes. Yes, 23... So you give it a good fucking womp, and you hit it, like, you've shot it with a bullet, but for whatever reason this time, when you hit it with your hammer, the piece you hit near its abdomen kind of, like, sections, and just, like, falls where one of the legs is. So just kind of, like, and that material of the void mineral, like, as soon as it hits the ground, just kind of, like fucking flows. And if you hadn't seen it before, you notice that, like, this floor of this room is also, like, sure void mineral. And it kind of just, like, flows well, I don't into... like it now. Uh, I'm, I'm not... I rescind my ooh. <laughs> so that leg just, like, falls off and flows and then flows into the other yeah, veins I don't of like the that. rock. Yeah, that sucks. Okay, uh... So... One, just for record keeping, did that shot I fired, that spent a round, correct? Yeah, you fired two. Like, it didn't go back into Oh, the second one you fired? Well, yeah, the one that, like, stopped after it came out of the barrel and then sucked back into the gun. Did that just, like, rewind time and it didn't shoot? Yeah, from what you can tell. So, like... Okay, so so from what I can tell, I spent If you were watching in slow motion, the shell... Sure. Like, you didn't rack it or anything, so the shell never left the thing. So, for all you know, that bullet is just, like, back together. Oh, so for all I know, I didn't spend the shell. Yeah. Right, but just, you know, heads up, I'm probably not going to be using my gun again. All right, I flurry. Flurry. Three smacks with my hammer. Okay. Let's break this bitch up. So, minus two... And my skill is 10. 10 on hammering. Okay. Minus 2. So you're going to need a 15. 15? I smacked it with a 14 before. 
when I was doing a minus three. Yeah. Well, now it knows you're there. Oh, was I, like, semi-concealed? So you sneaked. Whatever, all right, 15. Game Master says 15. I roll a 15, bitch. And then I roll a 19, bitch. And then I roll a natty 20, bitch. No, I rolled a 13. Two, though. Two hits. Two hits, That first one was a two. What? No, the first one was a 15. first one was a 15, and that hit. What was the second one? 19. 19. Oh. 15, 19, 13. Okay, so sorry, two hit. I didn't see. You rolled it really fast. I we can rewind the tape. <laughs> it looked like it too. All right, so two good hits. Your damage is 23. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boop, boop, boop. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> Kill, 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 kill. So your first one hits another fucking arm off, same way you did the second time. And then the second one that you land, there's a rock-like pattern that just kind of spreads, like a crack along it. And then the entire... Of the body of the... Of the body. Okay. So you, like, knocked another leg off, and the entire thing kind of just, like, and like splits apart, and all the goo oh, kind of right. falls. Now there's two of them. No, no, no. All the goo kind of falls over Ronnie as it's now kind of a liquid. I'm sorry, Ronnie. Gross. And I it hate it. It doesn't like stay on you. It all kind of like like flows and like sucks into the vein, and it looks like you might have killed it. <laughs> I smacked the vein. <laughs> Nothing happens when you smack the vein, and as you, I get the hell up and like. <laughs> Are, I, we, are we out of combat? Well, yes. I motion Ronnie. I like give him a snap and a in a arm motion to run. And as you kind of predicted, like all the stuff that kind of happened while you were fighting that like hit rocks and stuff starts to like happen. Uh-huh. So like the rock from your shotgun explodes and like rains down, <laughs> as well as like fires again, as yeah. well as like the fuse. You hear all the fuses like the tss, all right. dynamite goes. I, I run. I, I take Ronnie his advice. Run. I run. Uh, how how far can I get down the passageway, which also has dynamite in it? <laughs> ten seconds, babe. In, in the ten second fuse. I run. Am I going to get blown up too? I don't run. I keep hitting you, the rocks. You just keep hitting the rocks? He's, so going, no... he's going out swinging. Apart from the sounds of fuses, there's no earth shakes or anything, and you start running. Yeah. So you're left... I'm smacking those veins where all the goo went into. So Furies is left just hitting rocks, and Ronnie is running down the corridor, and about five seconds, once you get kind of around the corner, you hear a boom. Mm -hmm. The first one that Safiri's planned. Yep. And you're close enough to where it kind of like, the earth shakes and like knocks you on your feet, or off your feet. And you get back up and you keep running, and then there's another boom as all the others boom. start going, and you're just running. Yep. Ronnie is hitting rocks, hitting the floor of the <laughs> the void as 
explosions and rock debris are falling around him and also hard to say cut to Ronnie <laughs> Ronnie running through the tunnels as the explosions and the earth just shakes around him as you're running you start to notice that all the lights are kind of back on your shadows are working yeah. your shadow is working but also as you're running past like kind of each light they're like kind of blinking like out mm. and pretty soon you see the cave-in ahead of you and like the light that's close to it also blinks out oh fuck that's just darkness for running did i uh did i outrun the cave-in and the explosions you outran the cave-in okay. so ronnie you're kind of standing there in the dark in the dark and the dusty in the dusty debris of like don't forget you have those two sticks of dynamite and a lighter, babe. I do. Courtesy uh, of Safiris. And as you're, as Ronnie, you kind of walk in slower now, because now you can't see. You trip a little bit, but then you, like, trip and you finally land and you feel and you're, like, right at the manway cave-in. Okay. And you're kind of feeling around. The darkness around you is fucking absolute, because it's underground. Uh-huh. And there's no light anymore. Uh, I, well, I light my lantern. You try to light your lantern. I try to light my lantern. <laughs> and no sparks, like, if you have a lighter. or I, have his, I lighter. have his lighter. It's not, like, it's spinning. Oh, no. And it's just not going. Oh, God. As well as the darkness around you is just kind of, like, starting, like, stars are starting to, like. Like the time mineral stars? Like, appear around you, oh, God. Ronnie. And yeah, they're not like all just the star colors of the midnight sky of normal above ground. They're weird colors like minerals and rocks. And they're also like fucking moving. And as that's all kind of happening and you're figuring it out, the fucking monster appears in front of you. But it's the way it was when you first saw it. It's uh-huh. kind of just in front of you, like, standing. And no clear features. It doesn't have extra limbs anymore. But in one hand, a hand, it's holding this Safiris. His body, like, limp and unconscious. And it just, like, reaches out to you. Oh, no. And whatever you try to do, it, like... And then, like, just kind of grabs you, and then you go also kind of unconscious. Now, the next thing that happens, you both wake up in the links, just in your beds. Ah! Yeah, that's... Okay, I I look around and, like, check... Wait, did uh, we get a shared room, or we got separate rooms? We got separate rooms. Well, like, yeah, wake okay. up in the links. Did I, I yell for Ryan? Yeah, get up and, like, I look yell. around. Is it daytime outside? There's, like, a little bit of light. It looks like either... Sun coming up? It looks like either late morning, but you're pretty disoriented. It could be, like, really early evening. It's initially hard to say in your I do a mental quick, state. Uh, I do a quick rummage of my own gear has uh, all the, like, shots and stuff that I fired down there? Have I spent all that 
Have I spent all that ammo and resources and stuff? Yes. All of that is like... But I'm just back in the links. Yeah. Mm. So after Does like he checking my... He, yeah, he hears... Yeah, and then I come over to Ronnie's room. No. Nope. Or to <laughs> Safiri's room. I'm Ronnie. <laughs> and I say, uh, you just wake up here too? Yes. You still got those dynamites? I look, do I? Yeah, I do. I hand them to him. I, I give him the give me fingers. Give me. Um, if we're just if we're just riffing, uh, I make I grab the dynamite, in my lighter, one stick of dynamite in my lighter back, and I beeline to to Nathan Spade's office. I'm not sure what he's doing, but I follow him. <laughs> so as you guys like storm out the stairs, there's Joanna. She's got breakfast, it turns out, this morning. Because there's the same eggs, bacon, and porridge that she's made mm-hmm. every day. And she, like, like waves to you guys as you, like, run out. But you run out pretty quick, so she don't, doesn't get, don't care. She doesn't get a word in. And you storm into the store. Mr. Spud. Spud is there doing his ledger and inventory. And he, like, looks up, and he's like, whoa, kind of, like, you guys are coming in hot. It's like, you guys are, you guys are all right? I don't, don't even care. Like, I just, I, you know, real no quick, acknowledgement. Spud, when, when did you last see us? And he's already gone? Have I'm you? just, I'm, I'm not stopping, I'm not talking. Spud's, like, looks at, at Sephiris, who, like, runs by me, like, goes, and he's like, ah, I saw you early last or late last night when you came out of the mine. Ah, I, I follow. I, I follow Sophia's. I run after him. In busting into the room, Nathan Spade is basically he's nonplussed really at how hard you come in, and it's like kind of like in his chair is like. A problem. I light the dynamite and try to grab him. Okay. <laughs> so you grab him and you got a lit piece of dynamite and he's like, "What the fuck? What are I you just, doing?" I I give him a big bear hug squeeze. Okay, Ronnie. Uh, you follow into this. I hesitate for a moment. What what's the fuse look like? Pretty short. Probably, you know. I don't know. 30 second a, fuse. A 30 second fuse? Yeah, you got some time to say something. I. Not very much time, though. Mr. Spade, you better <laughs> talk quick, or uh, I'm jumping down these stairs, and just too late for you. <laughs> it's like. And a sad smile kind of comes across his face, and he's just like. It's been too late for me for years. All I got is time. I headbutt him. Like, kind of like, ah! And he's like, he's still just, yeah, he's a man. He gets hurt. And he's like, ah, oh, what the fuck, you fucking crazy ass. And then the dynamite. Boom. Fucking <laughs> Kabooms. And there's, you're dead. Yeah. So is Nathan Spade. And Ronnie's kind of reeling from the explosion. And as the explosion. Wait, wait, hold on. Uh, sorry. As the dynamite's going off. I say, fuck you, Poseidon. Last words. Last words. As the echo and, like, 
most of the room got blown up, and mm-hmm. you're reeling from it, just a cloud of darkness kind of kind of enfolds you. And again, Ronnie, you see the fucking time monster is holding Safiri's body again, but it's all kind of mangled and blowed up. Yeah. And it, like, reaches I, I out. I try and dodge it. And, like, as you, like, kind of move back, it looks like it's just, like, the same distance. Ah. And just, like, kind of grabs you again. And unconscious. And you guys wake up again, just in the links. Shit. I yell for Ronnie again. This is basically the end. Yeah. You guys are in a loop. Probably probably repeat that a couple more times. <laughs> yeah. You guys are trapped in time. Damn. I probably, in Ironville. I probably go frag Mr. Spade a couple more times. <laughs> and then maybe I try to frag myself a couple times. And yeah, that I'd, gets me but anywhere. we just keep <laughs> showing up in our rooms the same day. Yeah. Fuck. That's creepy. That's fun. Oh, that's pretty cool. That concludes the time time vein. Grim dark. Adventure. For (laughs) Mr. Ronald and Saphir. Let's get around. That was a lot of fun. Very cool. Very grim ending. I love that. Um, Well, shit. Uh, straight in, straight, straight in. I think, yeah. Um, debrief. Thank you to everybody. I guess for uh, sticking, sticking with us up until this point. Sure. I hope you enjoyed it. That was a lot of, that was a lot of live a lot of play. play. Um, speaking to you right now, currently, I'm not sure how we're going to be chopping this up and how you're going to be listening to it. But uh, on our, on our time, on the recording, we're at about 11 hours and a half. So, including the first episode, that's that's a good long, that's a good long amount of listening. So, for everyone who's stuck with us, uh, I appreciate it. I hope you had a good time. Um, and now we're gonna go into our normal uh, two-headed game master live play debrief because we want to talk about this stuff after we do it, and we want two-headed game master to always be a instructional, uh, you know educational learning experience kind of a show as well as a just you know role-playing fun tricked you uh you thought it was all fun and games but now you're gonna have to learn something you stupid idiots yep take notes or don't you know it's a podcast not a cop can't make you do anything or you just stop listening but don't really though yeah but don't really keep it here keep it right here uh (laughs) spaceman what's the uh what's the question what's the first debrief opening question is uh what worked? What worked in this session, in this adventure? Now, specifically, we're asking Enzo this, but me and Dane will well, have our own. Well, I'm asking both of you. Yeah. And then I'm going to have my say. Are you asking what worked as far as just what a worked role-playing as... adventure goes? Yeah, yeah. Or specific to yeah. your guys' dungeon Why was creator? it fun? No, just uh, as a role-playing experience. Okay. All right, I'll kick it off. You know what I think worked was the atmosphere. It was very engaging. Uh, every time, well, the two times that Sophiris, uh saw his little ocean episode was very gripping to me. I was like, 
you know, clenching every, you know, muscle in my body, including my asshole. <laughs> and I was like, this sucks ass. Right? In a good way. Like, I, I yeah. hope. I think Atmosphere was, was done pretty well. There was a... Um, well, this is for you, Enzo. I think there was a really smooth transition between, uh, like, an authentic, you know, sort of Western frontier setting. You did a good job setting that up and selling it and doing everything about that. And then there was a very smooth transition from that to, like, a spooky kind of, you know, tense atmosphere down in the mines. And then another transition to the sort of, like, cosmic horror. Uh, well, mm. I appreciate that. For one, having not lived in the 1870s. Who has? Am I right? No they're, one alive today. They're all dead. <laughs> so I appreciate that. As well as the uh, little brag to... Going into a mine, which again I've never been in one. Listen and well, consume an media. One. Didn't we do a field? Didn't you do the field trips to you know all the stuff in like uh, Colorado Springs and or not some, Springs? Uh, I've Glenwood been in Springs. And, we live in Colorado. I've been to Cave of the Winds. That's not and a maybe mine. some others, but it is a cave right. underground. But like the uh, Argo gold mine and shit, you didn't do those tours. I'm not Silverton, sure. but to. Try to bring to life a place and setting that I've never been into is well, that I wanted to do well, and I'm happy thing. as well as create a spooky mystery that is I like it's at all... least to the listeners and to Cosmo Dana's players not resolved in the sense of understanding it all, but resolved enough to be okay with the ending. Well, that, I would say, is an aspect of the sort of, like, cosmic horror, which the whole thing ended up being. We didn't know when we set off that, uh, well, I mean, that's the point. We don't know what we're getting into right. when we go down into the mine. But, um, there is, there is an aspect of the genre, I guess, you could, you could call it a staple or a feature of the cosmic horror um, genre that you don't usually end a story by explaining it. You you know, you end it on an enigmatic and frightening and yes. kind of like unnerving note. And in this specific story, to be fair, I didn't as a good writer, as also not a liar, I didn't have an explanation for the events and anomalies down in the mines, which I didn't want to create to add more Stuff for the players to deal with. So I do appreciate that, and I also think it went well as far as atmosphere and setting, and I I like, I appreciate that you said I did a good job, and I hope I did. Um, I think for me it went well. This is me, Enzo, as the game master head on this recording. The second actual role-playing adventure I've led, and it went much smoother to me than the first one I ever did, as far as understanding the mechanics of the game and rules of the game for the players. And for the most part, it went really smoothly, apart from little little bits that we had to you know, discuss as Cosmo Dane wrote the Eclipse Engine. And know more about it than I do, apart from just playing it. But 
playing it, you don't have to know as many rules and techniques for it. Mm -hmm. So I thought that went well for me personally, and I enjoyed that. Just felt to me it flowed better for me as well as just playing as the game master and role playing and creating a story for you guys to help develop as well as play through. I enjoyed that. All right. I'll oh. tell you what also worked really well is your magic system. It was very, uh, well, to use uh, like a Brian Sanderson, it was very soft. Like the magic system wasn't like the priests or, well, they weren't priests. They weren't like shooting us with magic bolts. Right, like you yeah, know, he, like he was speaking some magic words missiles or... and like throwing a rock into the fire, and like yeah, it was it was very um, it fit very well with the world. Yeah, and I liked that because I didn't want this to be a magic driven adventure, at least for the players. I wanted you guys to, as you created players, not to have magic as a skill. Because the magic in the world isn't really known. To me, it's still an 1870s Western United States, yeah. as far as we know it, except for, you know, fictional town and stuff. Right, because it, it, like, you know, say that it ended dif differently and, like, so Furies or Ronnie or both got out of the mine. Like, that's a completely, like, believable, like, tall tale to tell. Yes. It's like, I was down in the mine and the yeah. rocks came alive. As right? well as, like, uh, Dane, your character, Sephiris, you wrote into their backstory a run-in with old Greek mythology and gods. Which, when I wrote just the setting, was not involved at all. But it was invited as well as like workable with like a superstitious believer in magical creatures and stuff happening so it worked out but your character itself didn't have any mm. like magical properties or right abilities. i think it was all just flavor i think conceptually that's a really cool thing about this sort of adventures we've done a few things kind of like this on this show to um explore a period of history maybe you know, maybe close geographically like a Western, that's something that, you know, any American, most most people familiar with Western media could easily put themselves in a Western situation, but it's removed by time. Um, same with, like, the Viking one that we did earlier in, uh, you know, some episodes back in the show. There's a really cool thing with, like, picking a period of history and using that as the foundation for something a little more fantastical. Uh, because, you know, so much of it is informed and grounded in reality, but then you can play on things like superstition or, you know, lack of knowledge. Like, 1870s, we don't know very much about medicine. We don't know very much about, you know, like, natural sciences. We, well, okay. I so stuck like gunpowder in a wound and lit it on fire. The scientific community that was of the time, the back in the day, <laughs> yeah, it was. the scientific community at the time might know more than, like, the average frontiersman, but the frontiersman knowing very little allows you to inject a lot of, you know, fantasy and weirdness and have it just, like, fly completely reasonably right. in the adventure. Um, okay. Well, Is hold on. Before we move on, um, uh, hold on. 
I had a thing, and then I opened a beer and I forgot it. Uh, how did, uh, just real quick, because in the Eclipse engine, we leave, like, magic and special abilities open up to, like, um, just, like, there's no real instructions. So, like, real quick, how did you decide on, like, your magic? So, I still use the Eclipse engine magic system as far as, so... Now that the game's over, fourth wall break, the cult priest who used magic to put Ronnie into a weird kind of time trap was just using his mental mind with an addition of having, like, magic rocks. Okay. So it was just a mind versus mind contest. Yes. And so that was all it was. He wasn't... In the real, like, physical world, like, mentally changing, like the body of the dead guy to somebody Ronnie saw. He didn't know. He doesn't know that as just a run-in bad guy in the tunnels. But he plays the part of throwing a rock and, like, oh, speaks the words of right. if you his fail, thing. If you fail this mind check, you're gonna, magic. Yeah, magic happens. And that was all I decided on. And then the... And I was kind of bad about this because I kept forgetting that you guys had them, but when you grab the amulets, the necklaces from them, mm. that was supposed to give you, like, a little bit of protection as well as, like, a buff in mental state, too. Well, it stopped set. me from turning into a rock monster. It did. And it worked for both of you as well as, like, helped me as a game master drive you two to the next conflict. Mm-hmm. Which is what I ended up using. So the magic itself was still based off of just the Eclipse engine, what, you know, magic is. It was just a mind stat with a buff from a tool that you guys both could have and did pick up. Very cool. Just didn't know how to use it. So if, like, yeah, you looked at it, maybe took it in the town to somebody. Maybe you showed it to the hermit. Well, I did I did show it to to um, Mr. Spade, but uh, he was focused on the rock that Ronnie threw in front of him. Right, so and... I took it back. And there was a chance as well not to get also, too into it. Also, I still it. think he's the bad guy. Like, he's the time <laughs> monster. Fair. And we can discuss that at a later date. But <laughs> well, I would say he's definitely, like, he's a victim of the time garbage that's going on or is he but he's he's still certainly villainous for allowing other people to like an asshole yeah if you found yourself if you found yourself in a groundhog day it would be a rude thing to drag other people down with you all right so question mainly for you enzo okay uh what didn't work in this adventure like uh where were times where you ran into problems with the mechanics. And sure. So you know, what... Your story and, like, tips to avoid that in the future. Yeah, as we played it out and using... Test driving your guys' dungeon creator as the kind of foundation for this adventure, what didn't work was trying to kind of visually, I guess, plan out what happened to you guys. For me, visually, like, writing down and, like, drawing the map was, like, a good idea for me to, like, drive you in a direction, but then you guys as just players and in the role-playing setting and as a game master not wanting to just kibosh or say no to a clever idea of getting around, 
made me use the map a lot less and just use what was on it as far as like encounters and creatures at the appropriate moments. So in the earlier kind of recordings of this, when you guys were told to like clear the shaft, instead of, you know, dungeoning around in the mines, going through manways, you decided just to crawl down the shaft. Mm-hmm. Which to me, I didn't even think that was an option because I didn't think of that myself. But then when you did it and like with your character's expertise of like mining and, you know, just strength, it made sense to me that, yeah, why not just climb down the shaft and like blow out the sure. rubble? So that wasn't something I wanted to just like take away by maybe having enemies come in while you're doing it or something. I wanted to play that out. So using a map didn't end up working for me in this setting. Not that it wouldn't work for other players with maybe a stricter dungeon layout. Well, so what if um, instead of like a map of like rooms and like, oh, there's an enemy in this room. What if it's just like there's an enemy at this point? So like I think I think that would have been because like, yeah, sure, we fell down the mine and that sucked ass. And, well, so fairies ended up okay, but, like, Ronnie broke well, his ribs. So, if But, like, if there ahead, was sorry. an enemy, like, an enemy comes up to, like, in the station where we're trying to get to, and he's like, hey, don't come up here. Or I don't know what that accent was. <laughs> and then, like, so Furies is trying to climb up, and, like, the enemy's, like, picking him. You know, like, oh, you get too close, he's going to pick you. And then, like, I I, feel like that kind of would have worked. I think it would have been a fun encounter. And I, like, looking back to that, I enjoyed the Game Master side of deciding how hard just the task of Mm. climbing up and down a shaft in a mine would be. Which added some fun just, like, instead of fighting an enemy, now you have the danger of just falling to your death. Yeah. I would... I would like to ask you another thing directly related to that. Um, so when you first ran a thing, and it was kind of before the Eclipse engine was as codified a thing mm. as it is now, you were running an afterlife adventure for us with a very like beta version of this engine. You talked about how fun it was as a game master to just like, set difficulties for obstacles and physical challenges and stuff. How... Um, how easy of a thing was that for you to do with the way it's presented in the rules right now? Especially the obstacles you didn't plan for. Yeah, sure. because like, if you planned for it, you already had a difficulty in mind, but we did some stuff that you didn't expect. How easy was it using the tools as written right. to just, you know, wing that stuff? It, it wasn't easy, but it also wasn't like super hard either knowing that like i had already just in my plans created different traps and had set difficulty levels for those i for that specific task when you guys ended up just climbing around in a mine shaft i just made it harder based on maybe the traps as well as like enemies you would have fought so in that sense of like oh you're gonna at an early level in a dungeon where you're That's an interesting at idea. a certain level as far as from the player creator and the sheet in Eclipse Engine, you have a certain amount of points, right? 
and that's geared out, however, and then at least in the way I wrote these dungeons was supposed to be a more cut and dry of like three mm-hmm. to four sections of like mines to fight through. Mm-hmm. And at each of those separate like adventures in the campaign, enemies would have gone up in difficulty as well as you guys would have gotten XP from completing them. So you kind of so, took the stuff we skipped and we're like, well, this is about how difficult it would have been. That's how hard it's going to be to right. climb up and down the shaft. That's, that's very interesting. Also, you kind of just answered the next question because um, it's, a, it's a two-parter. Uh, one for the players, Cosmo mm-hmm. and myself. You know how how did player agency feel? And I think it it felt very. I felt very. Yeah, I feel uh, like we could answer that agent, very quickly. Right? Like uh, I felt like I had complete agency. If we wanted to go back up, we definitely could. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's I another thing all that the I options. would uh, insert um, to the beginning of the debrief that worked really well. The uh, you you said the map you didn't end up using very much, but I would say the spatial uh, relationship, like the spatial organization of this adventure worked really well. There was a good sense of, like, you go to the lift to go start a dungeon, and you come back up the lift, and in town you do stuff, and you have a conversation, freedom to move between those two things worked really well and was very, like, easy and accessible. Um, So, yeah, in that, I would agree with Dane Mm -hmm. as far as player agency goes. I feel like we had... We had infinite choices. Yeah, we we had all of it. And the only thing we didn't have a choice about was to, you know, like, Obviously, we couldn't walk through solid stone if a mine shaft went in a certain direction. We had yeah. to follow it one way or the other. Right. So the second part of that is uh, the the game master plan, and you talked a little bit about that. How you plan some stuff, and we kind of bypassed that by being agents of our own destiny, where we're going to climb down this mine shaft instead mm-hmm. of go the way you wanted us to. And so you've already kind of touched on it, but you know, give us a little more about like how you altered your plan or didn't alter your plan well to be fair in my creation of this adventuring campaign the lift for the mine was always yes a way down into the mine to like officially start the adventure for the players it at least immediately wasn't the way out of situations for me but as you guys play it and, like, discover that, oh, you can just ring the bell to, like, go back up if you want. <laughs> and I was like, well, there's no... And we did mess... I did mess with it at the beginning when you first tried to go up and... They sent a note down. They yeah. sent a that note we down. couldn't read. That we couldn't read. Well, Which, how about that? Did you fucking plan for neither of us to be able to read? So I remember in early talks before we started this that I forgot... <laughs> Who, but I remember at least one of you was like, oh, yeah, I like this adventure and the setting. I want to be, like, uh, recent or relatively recent, like, immigrant to America who doesn't know how to read. That was me. And I think, yeah, because I, yeah. So Dane said that, and I was like, that's a fun idea. Like, and I didn't really think about how it would impact the actual game. When both of you came in and were like, neither of us know how to read, (laughs) I was like, oh, that's just kind of funny in the sense that, okay, dealing with Nathan Spade as a businessman and operator of a company, he offers you, like, you know, written notes and contracts, but you can't read them. 
So to me, that offered just a nice piece of flavor for the game, as well as like, how well can you lie or can you figure out what this says as far right. as like, like me, is he cheating me asking you? Joanna. Yeah. Right? Like, right. Like, and using, yeah, the other NPCs in the town itself to like, oh, trick them into helping you read a note because actually you just don't know how to read. I thought that was a very fun piece. And in the long run, it didn't really impact like, the, the actual structure of the adventure, the structure of the adventure, like anything that you didn't find out on your own just by talking to other NPCs or adventure. Right. Uh, question, because there, so the main um, NPCs, right, Mister Spade, Spud, and Joanna. There was the the Father Callahan. Yeah. Right. We met him once. Did. So, two-part question. Did he have, like, did you have more for him? And, second part, did you have other characters that we didn't get to meet? So, no, not really. So, you met, basically... No, not really to which... Yeah, to which chance. So, no, not really that, um... Sorry, so the first part... You, uh, did, you didn't have any more for the priest. So, like, so... First part, as far as characters you met in okay. the town, let me answer it like this. So, characters you met, NPCs, you met all the ones that I wrote, that okay. I cared okay. to write for. Say you had, in like the end of the links, you had decided to like sit down for poker hmm. with like the three guys there. They were always going to be there every single sure. night. A piece of like the trapped in time town. And we might have figured right. that out. And well, maybe you'd figure that out if you had sat down with them the first like, night, played poker, left, you know, and like done the adventure, had the same hands or come whatever, back, right? and ah. some, some things like that. To where like you'd notice that like, oh, the town folk here are... The same. Always the same. In a doing loop. the same thing. Mm -hmm. As far as well as like, so yeah, you met... Right. You met Spud, the shop owner or operator, Nathan Spade, the company owner, you met Joanna, the worker, the, and you met Father Callahan... Well, I had more written, but mm. you guys chose not to pursue right. that. Because he was just kind of, well, in my mind, in Sophia's mind, he was a healer and also a Catholic, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not about that. Cause... Yeah, he was like the doctor of the town, mm. basically. So we could have gone to him for more healing if we needed it. Right, and maybe learn some more stuff, because he's been around, as well as you met the hermit, Mr. Griswold. Who oh, yeah, Mr. Griswold, I forgot appeared about him. Both as an operator of uh, <laughs> we, Shaft, yeah. we locked well him as, in a mine. Yeah, as well as down the we mine, caved him in a mine. I'll let you know he's fine. <laughs> Shit. I also not. I have a contract from him that I couldn't read. That I, uh, you know, that's a loose end. Yeah, that that. Yeah. if if we hadn't got trapped in a in a time loop, you know, that's something I might have asked Mister Spade. I'll about, say but. that. So yes, the characters you met as far as NPC, that was all the ones I wrote. More than just like, those were the ones I wrote for. I wrote mm. a name for them so that I would know it, as well as like a short description, as well as like, uh, not really a backstory, but just like what they know. So that piece could have been explored more. Sure. And a lot of it would have been me as a game master, just kind of on the spot. How well do you talk to them? How well do you persuade, deceive, or intimidate to like tell you stuff? And through the townsfolk, you could have learned more pieces about what's going on 
as far as like, oh, this weird cult that's operating. Sure. Oh, maybe Father Callahan isn't connected to it, but he knows about them. But was he though? Well, maybe if you play more. <laughs> uh, fuck you. And like the hermit is he kept telling you about time and prices and like if you just gave him some time more, maybe he'd give you money. Oh. Like pieces of that were wow. like if you just He was being shady. I think he deserved to be shut up in a mine. <laughs> He might have been being shady. That could just be but... some theories talking. Anyways, uh, so <laughs> was there, so like, you know, you talked about some little things that like we kind of missed, but like it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like we missed like the big, the big like, uh, I don't know, holy hand grenade, I guess. Right? So like we didn't like go down the wrong shaft because if we instead of going left if we had went right we would have found like the secret weapon that like broke us out of the loop it was always going to end in the loop it was always going to end in a loop and i had a few ways in my head for how that would have ended but it was always going to end in a loop depend and it the monster at the end of the campaign wasn't made to like kill you guys if it did, it wouldn't have changed the loop. Okay. I think I think that's very good game design, and like, yes, I'm stepping out of my player role and back into my head, uh, my game master head role. Um, I think that's really good. You know, great job, game master, and you had an ending in mind. And regardless of what stupid ideas the players come up with, like, oh, I'm just going to hit rocks until all the dynamite explodes, you still end up in the time loop. It's a, yeah, idiot. like, it's a cool idea for an ending that, um, that doesn't take agency away from players. Like, it, you can't railroad a player into this ending. Mm. Their choices are going to result in it because we fucked ourselves by going arriving, down in the first place. Yeah, by like, arriving in town in the beginning. And we didn't know and that. And of course, but that's we're cool. not going to walk away. Oh, you step off the coach? Nah, yeah. get back on. No, because then we wouldn't have a that. game. And that's that's cool story structure because uh, you know we didn't know that we were locked into it when we first got here. But we did make some choices back in the beginning, and then at the end, we're like, all right, well, mm, actually, it was already too late. Right. Um. That's yeah. That's really. And I will say, I will say this as well, from our own experience and from just like what I've seen of other, uh, other D&D like videos and stuff, people who talk about this on the internet, it seems like, um, it's, it's more the exception than the norm to actually play an adventure through to completion. And I feel like that kind of lets game masters off the hook to be like, oh, I don't know. How do you just like, yeah, we're just going to like kick off an adventure and I don't then really need to... Then we're going to get sidetracked yeah. and like, and then people will lose interest and whatever, which which is why you should go listen. If you're listening to this and you haven't listened to our episode about one-shots, go listen. Yeah, go back and listen to our thing about one-shots and the idea of, uh, the idea of imposing some sort of like finite structure to your adventure. Ooh, episode idea. How to end an adventure. Like, we, we talk about mm, a little bit yeah, in one-shots, yeah. but, like, you know, what if it's not a one-shot? Yeah. Like this is. 
Whereas multiple sessions and not like the end of a session, but like the hours. the wrap up of an adventure, right. like the end of a novel or the end of a movie, the, right. the end I think, of an adventure. I think that's also the beauty of the the Eclipse Engine. Uh, is it's not unendable. Like it's it's a very basic system that you use to tell a story. Stories usually have endings, right? Yep. Yep. Generally speaking. And so, like, uh, how did you feel the Eclipse Engine Enzo mm-hmm. worked with the story you wanted to tell? Because the story you wanted to tell was awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and using... I thought the monster. How much? Uh, I imagined the thing at the end of Annihilation. Has anyone seen that of our podcast uh, listeners? I know my. Well, we all have. I know we have all seen it. We've also read the books. Yeah, we've also read uh, the Area X series, but the uh, the visual representation of the thing at the end of Annihilation—that's kind of how I imagined the time that's, thing. That's fine, and to be very frank and honest, like my vision of the time monster as it is in this setting was never very clear in my head either. I wanted it, so my inspiration for this specific adventure came from listening to a book called Hyperion, where time Mm -hmm. structure Mm -hmm. is very... a big piece of the the story and the narrative. Mm. And the center monster of it is a creature from the far, far future that manipulates time. Cool. In that... Setting that monster is a spiked metal man humanoid that has arms and legs, but they're all long and it's very tall. And it also, like, at each one of its joints, there's more spikes and sharp edges. That was part of my vision. But then as we, as you guys explored more into the mine and discovered more of the void mineral as towards the end we began calling it, to me it took on more of a cosmic space horror as far as it's made out of a rock mm-hmm. mineral, but it moves more like Mercury the way we know it. To well, where it's like a fluid motion. It reminded me out of like the color out of space, uh, yeah. the Lovecraft well, story. It, I, I got some extreme Lovecraft vibes and also, you know, let's just say... Lovecraft was a hella racist, but, like, you know, let's not... The man himself, he sucks. Fuck him. But, But like... Cool, cool story ideas. You know, the whole time I was thinking of, one, like, I can't really look at it without... Like, so Furies can't really look at it without breaking his brain. Because, like, it's it's the abyss. He is staring into the abyss. Into the darkness. And the soundtrack that was playing in my mind was, like, of the lighthouse. Uh-huh. Well, the the new lighthouse, where it's just like you know, quiet, quiet, loud noise, you know, yeah, yeah, and like you know, it was fucking beautiful atmosphere. I I thought it was a terrific monster, as as good as any of the stuff that like Lovecraft or any of the other formative cosmic horror writers did, and it also like it worked really well in. Um, it also worked really well. Better than, you know, most of those sort of ideas. Most cosmic horror ideas don't play really well in a role-playing game. You came up with a really good way to make it a game mechanic. To, you know, have it, like, reach out through time and mess with time in the combat encounters and all of that. I just, you know, 
I'd reiterate that I think the the setting you created and the story you told was was kick ass, and I had a I had an awesome time with it. Good. I think uh, well, so you know, give us you get the last word, Enzo, because you just game mastered you know eleven hours of of story here, but um, mechanically, okay. We did some combats, we did a lot of talking, uh, and then you had to end it. And that one is kind of out of the Eclipse engine, because it was, it was right. storytelling, it was we, narrative, Yeah, we don't right? tell you how to structure your story in the Eclipse engine. Mm. We don't tell you how to begin or end it, necessarily. Right, but were you able to tell a story, well, tell the story that you wanted to tell... Using the Eclipse engine. I thought I was. The specific game mechanics of the Eclipse engine offer, to me at least, as a new game master, uh, strong fluidity as far as creating difficulty settings and creating monsters or traps or obstacles or whatever to make it hard for the players but as well as like rewarding and seems like I hope there was never a point where you felt like completely trapped no, apart from sir. like me well except for in the water when I was drowning but like sure. yeah. <laughs> but I thought it allowed for me to be very creative with encounters mechanics as far as, like, what is happening, as far as um, in a combat, you're dealing with the time monster or one of the miners out of time, and the way they dodge isn't just a normal dodge for, like, you guys as players, but it was, like, a time shift to where they were at this point in one time, so now their dodge is just to move there. And that's how I played it in my head. For the time monsters, all of them that involve like time manipulation. As far as telling the story, I thought the Eclipse, and with that, yeah, yeah, the Eclipse engine to me gives me very fluid freedom to create the story, a narrative that is uh, engaging as well as never really got bogged down, except for a few moments of just not understanding the rules as well as you guys. Sure. As, so, game, as yeah. previous. We made them. But as a, moment, like a, a moment of rule clarification is not, like, that's not a bad role-playing experience. I no, like and I never... pretty standard. And, and I never felt the bad about it or felt like it really halted the actual narrative of what was happening in the actual gaming setting and life of role-playing. So to me, I never really felt lost the rules are easy to follow to me as well as like combat mechanics everything like that to me it was fluid especially the second time running a role-playing session on the eclipse engine granted i've never run like a DD, but i've read some of the books and it's a lot played to, some too and yeah, i played some i've played some DD. yes but I've never gone through the Game Master mm. handbook of D&D to, like, 
figure out stuff. So to me, I felt very comfortable and more confident in one, the story I created, as well as giving it to you guys this second go around. Well, that does warm my heart, but yeah. uh, you know, don't suck our Bix too hard. <laughs> Only he didn't say Bix. <laughs> Only he didn't say Bix. Just kidding. Uh, thank you for running this, Enzo. Thank Thanks. you for your feedback. I love that you love uh, doing this in the Eclipse engine. I really do enjoy it, and it'll be another year or two before you get me to run a game master. <laughs> well, run as kinda, game master. That kind of sucks. Just because I enjoy playing much more oh, yeah. than Game Mastering. That's okay. I enjoy Game Mastering. I am a Game Mastering head. So, folks, unless there's a wild comment off the cuff, I think that is going to do it for this time vein adventure. You know, I want you, if you're listening to this, I want you to touch your eyebrows and snap your finger for Enzo. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks for playing. Thanks for running, Enzo. Um, and I think that's it. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for listening. And they told me if this was going to get enough followers, they would make Time Vane a downloadable dungeon creator. I guess we got to now. Like, that's the first time hearing about it, but I'm totally into you it. You did Let's say do it, it, so I guess we got to do it. <laughs> Three Patreon subscribers and we'll do it. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, tune in next time for another episode of regular old two-headed game master. Um, and that, that I think does it. Bye-bye. Bye. Have a great night. Hold on.